holiday season yeah I, I bet so okay what uh what what you got going on tomorrow that you uh were thinking you're like well we gotta we got we, we can move the record or no you have something going on tonight yeah which is why you couldn't record or which is why you couldn't record late today right yes yeah there's uh something going on at the kids school it's actually kind of cool they do something called the holiday hut where okay. They have a bunch of crafts that you can build, like, you know, great stuff that you can, you know, give away to family members and stuff like that. So, like, you know, keychains and body scrub and pet toys and what else? Oh, tote bags, you know, and they're, they're these handmade crafts that you make. And then, you know, you give them away for Christmas. And it's a little fundraiser for the school. They charge, like, five bucks per gift. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to head over to that. But that's why it's not a hard out that, you know, goes from, like, six to eight. Okay. Yeah, gotcha, so gotcha. we just want to get there in time to do everything because there's five different crafts. We'll probably try to do them all. Oh, yeah, I want to mention, too, I'm recording. So not only on my mic that is now about a month old, but also I finally got my uh, Samsung Chromebook from switching over to Fios. So I'm also Ooh, okay. on a machine that is not 20 years old or however nice. old my laptop is. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so we should have no problem now. <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, the only thing left to upgrade is my headphones, and they're doing okay, you know? Yeah, I've been, probably. I've been wanting to them to die even since, ever since I got them, because I think they're so inferior to the Audio-Technicas that I used to have. I got everyone's favorite headphones. You know it, Ted. What do you think it is? The Sony whatever the fucks? Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. <laughs> the 7504s. And I'm like, yeah, yeah everybody likes those. these. I guess, I'll, I guess I'll spend a little more money and get the ones that like everyone jerks off on. And um, <laughs> and then I got them, and I'm like, man, these sound so much worse than... not. I wouldn't even get the expensive Audio Technicas. I get, I'd get like the base model, and these are so like trebly. And what do you use? What's your uh, go-to can? Uh, my go-to is the Audio Technica... Uh, M20X because that's um, it's not quite the midline. Actually, it's lower midline. Yeah, yeah. Got, I was gonna say. I think the 30 uh, is what I used. Yeah, they've got 10x, uh, 20x, 30x, and I think they've got a 40x now. But like, I mean, the 20x is like perfect. The 20x is what I need. The only thing I wish it had that it does not have is maybe like a. Maybe like a, a detachable cord or a, a spiral cord or something. Mm, yeah, Other yeah. than that, that's the only thing I wish that it had. And oh no, it's a hundred dollars cheaper than a pair of Sony's. <laughs> Dang. I know. It, like it's it's, it's just... a it's a great studio monitor headphone. It it, it, it like. It does exactly what I need to when I'm on the air. You know, I can hear mm -hmm. myself perfectly. It's cushioned. It's it's comfortable to wear for a long time. No, it, it's exactly what I need. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I will agree. I think that's my only gripe with the Audio Technicas as well is that it's like they made a cord and then forgot to coil it. Yeah. You know, and then they're yeah, like, exactly. oh, damn it. We we're going to oh, just <laughs> ship them. Oh, we already shipped them. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Yeah, because they're that long, but, you know, and, and they're just, I'm like, who is going this far from where they are plugged in? <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> like, you can leave your phone, or you can leave your, wherever you plug them in. I was going to say foam. You can't plug your anything into phones nowadays. You can leave your uh, disc man. You can leave your yeah. disc man at home and go for a run and never run out of, of cord on those things. 
You can plug them right into your headphone adapter for your phone. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, you can plug your fo- your headphone adapter into your phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so, uh, but, and I always, you know, they, they wear out or I have a reason to get a new one. But I will say, I guess, one good thing about the Sonys is their longevity. You know, I've, I've yeah. been using them for uh, several years. So, but I, I'll, I'll agree that um, the Audio Technicas were a better studio uh, headphone because... I would edit stuff. I'm like, all right, I really want to get this mix right, so I'm going to put my headphones on and do it. And then I would play it for everybody, and, and the mix would be way off. And I was like, it sounded fine in my headphones. Yeah. Because using these shitty headphones. You uh, what the the Sony's? Yeah. So, yeah. So I um uh okay I I can say this because she's not home yet. Um, <laughs> Grace Grace wanted Beats for Christmas. Ah. And there was a Prime Day deal. I got her a pair of Beats. Uh, they're like eighty bucks. I'm like, okay, you know what? They're fine. I'm not gonna like. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not gonna like head take her to headphone school or anything because I <laughs> don't even shamer. know. Yeah, like I don't even know everything about headphones. Which actually, uh, one of the podcasts that I told you about uh, a while ago, um, 99 was it 99 percent invisible or 20,000 hertz? I can't remember. It was one of those. Yeah. They did an episode interviewing a woman who professionally tests every commercial pair of headphones and. Even, like, listening to that, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck, like, <laughs> I, I, I want or what is best for me. All and, and her main point was, like, if you have a headphone, if you have a pair of headphones right now that are comfortable, they give you exactly what you want, and you're comfortable with the price you paid for them, stick with them. Because hmm. you're because you're not going to get any better than those. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really is subjective when you get down to it. It really is. It's or so objective. so subjective. I get those. It's subjective. Uh, no, okay. It, it's subjective because it's uh, uh, dealing with uh, one person's own opinion. Right. So, I okay. I get those mixed up, and I've been trying to explain it to my daughter because she's in the she's doing the thing where she's like, "That's not funny," or you know, I, "That's not you know, that's not good," or "That is good," or whatever. And I'm like, or, or especially when her brother loves something, yeah. she's like, "No, it's not." I'm like, Colleen, <laughs> that's definitely objective. No, yeah. it's subjective. <laughs> I have to correct myself. And then you sit there for five minutes wondering what you just said. Meanwhile, they're thinking of something totally (laughs) different already. And then I was like, it's a matter of opinion. All right, let's just say that. (laughs) Just say that. Uh, All right. Well, should we get going? Yeah. Yeah, might as well. All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 9, Episode 5, Thank You for Your Service. That's right. We're halfway through Episode 9, if you can believe it. But before that, what is the deal with episode stuff? Episode 9? I mean, we're, uh, Season 9. We're halfway <laughs> through Season 9. Uh, before that, though, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode? We've been recording for nine minutes, man. We're already halfway through Episode 9 already. Damn. <laughs> they have. Uh, I will say that despite them being longer episodes, my notes have gotten shorter. I can't explain that. Like... The old, you know, 29-minute episodes, I would take, you know, two and a half pages of notes, and now I'm down to, like, one and a half to two, like, not even a full two pages. Really weird. Yeah. Um, and yet, the episodes are longer. Our episodes, I mean. <laughs> and yeah, we go on for... Uh, anyway, so what is the deal with stuff from our last episode? Uh, running with the Bulls, we wanted to know if Richard Lewis was actually a painter, uh, and... I couldn't find any mention in any articles or even his wiki page of Richard Lewis being a painter or an artist in any other way besides acting and comedy. Although I did find this Reddit post from only two months ago. 
I always think it's interesting when, like, the, the episode We're On consistently pops up on the Curb subreddit. And I'm like, is this someone who's, like, secretly watching along with us? And they're just, or is there just so few episodes that, you know, it, it, it's just a law of averages. It's like, yeah, of course, Palestinian Chicken's going to come up because it's one of the favorites. And it's, like, my, my own confirmation bias. Or is it someone who's like, I'm watching... Thank you for your service right now because a podcast I'm listening to is. I hope it's the latter, of course. Um, <laughs> of course, yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah. I tell you, I tell you what, you don't have to tell the Curb Your Enthusiasm subreddit that you're listening to the podcast. That, yeah. That's fine. It, it'll go against like the the, the promotion rules, I mean, <laughs> whatever the fuck. I don't give a shit. I tell you what, give us like a signal or something. Yeah. G- give us give us a sign. Send us send us an email or something. If you are doing this, let us know. We need something that's not a yeah. I mean, the easiest thing to do would just be send us a DM, <laughs> but we need like a signal in your uh, comment or title or whatever that is not a Curb reference because that would just confuse us even more. It's like, all right, well, now are they just referencing Curb or are they referencing yeah. the I reference what, we told them to reference? <laughs> I, I, I mean, we're we're constantly also referencing The Simpsons, and I think you should leave. So if yeah. you can work in, uh, if you can work in like something about like how Larry's always following rules and I wish he would never follow another rule in his entire life, yeah. something like that, that would be great. Oh my yeah. God. Uh, let it, let us know. So this Reddit post is from only two months ago, so it didn't really coincide with us watching it, but they said something that I said in the last episode that I, that I, uh, um, you know, mentioned was very pretentious, but they asked, did anyone notice that some of Richard's paintings are actually by Mark Rothko? So I think this whole um, storyline about Richard being a painter is made up for the show. And I think I was accurate when I pointed out the Rothkos, uh, you know, in the background in the episode. So I feel uh, vindicated during his session. So that's the only thing we had as far as homework goes. But uh, here's some more trivia and tidbits. During his session with the psychiatrist, Larry accuses him of doing. Oh, and I don't believe this, by the way, as I started reading it again. You know, I I remembered how much I hated this little bit of trivia, and I'm certain it's not true. During his session with a psychiatrist, Larry accuses him of doing a sneaky watch peek. This is a, this IMDb contributor's words, obvious nod to the Amazon Prime series Sneaky Pete from 2015. Brian Cranston, who plays a psychiatrist, was an executive producer of that series, as well as playing Vince in the first season. Uh, it's an obvious glimpse to it. Shut the fuck up. I want to like find a way to remove that. I want to like contact IMDB headquarters and say, this is not an obvious nod to sneaky Pete. A, no one watched it. And B, no one knows what the fuck sneaky Pete is. Are you, was it sneaky Pete or sneaky peak? Sneaky Pete. But okay. Still, whatever the fuck, no one knows. I know. And and there's no way that Larry would reference an Amazon Prime show on his HBO show as what, like a favor to his friend? And it only has one word in common, sneaky. You can say the word sneaky <laughs> without referencing Sneaky Pete. So th- I hate that. Um, here's an interesting fun fact, though. Amanda Walsh plays the real estate agent, and she wrote on 26 episodes of Shit's Creek hmm. before appearing on Curb in 2017. Ooh. I found that interesting. Yeah, so... I had no idea that Shit's Creek had already been on for at least a season. I don't know how long it had been on or when it ended or whatever, because I know it also kind of jumped around and was revived and things like that. And and then so and then she was on Curb. So, but get this, I didn't know this either about one of our other favorite shows to reference. Amanda Walsh was originally cast as Katie, the one-time female lead in The Big Bang Theory in the never aired pilot episode in 2006. Oh this my would, god. This would really hurt my feelings for people to know, but here it is. 
After poor reception of the episode, the authors completely rewrote it and changed the female lead name and demeanor and replaced her with Kaylee Cuoco as Penny. But what could have been as this uh, actress played the female lead in Big Bang Theory? I wonder what that original... Like, was she another smart... Was she a smart woman? And then they rewrote it to be a dumb woman? She probably was another smart woman. Honestly, I could see them picking the bones of that uh, character from the pilot for... uh, I don't know her name in the show. uh, Mayim Bialik's character later on. Another Curb Your Enthusiasm alum. Um, So that would have been interesting if they both appeared on Curb. And then we're in uh, Big Bang Theory. But yeah, I I didn't even know anything about that uh, unaired pilot episode. The restaurant manager was played by Brad Morris, who I've started like Googling some of the names that I see because I kind of recognize some of these people in the episode. And so when I go back through the cast list, I'm like, all right, let's let's just see what they've done. And I find fun facts like that. And this another show we haven't referenced in a long time because it's been off the air for a few years. The restaurant manager, Brad Morris, played Keith, one of the teacher's husbands, in six episodes of AP Bio. Oh, man. (laughs) Man, remember AP Bio? I sure do. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. So I I really, uh, you know, you, you texted me on Thanksgiving morning, not to say Happy Thanksgiving, but to say... I can't fucking believe Xfinity waited until Thanksgiving Day to take away your peacock. <laughs> also, happy belated Thanksgiving. <laughs> I don't think you said Oh, yeah. Now you're saying it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no. Now I'm saying it. On December 5th, the day that we're recording this. Only a, only a couple weeks after. Yeah, it's but, okay. It's okay. But it, it really was. You know, I'm sure you got up and you wanted to watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, right? Was that your plan? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I was bummed, too, because I was like, oh, man. And, you know, I, I was enjoying having it. You were like, oh, you know, I jumped on. They were running like a Black Friday deal. So you're like, I jumped on it. And and when I saw the deal they were running, I just went ahead and jumped on it, too. So the boss oh, baby lives on. The boss yeah, baby like, lives on. I was, right. like, I was like 20 bucks a year. You cannot beat that for a streaming oh, service. See, I didn't upgrade for the year. I just got like I just went on the monthly. So maybe yeah. I'll uh, maybe I'll upgrade to the year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, Because I thought about just taking you up on your and I was like, you know what? I might as well just just. You know, like I said, I keep mean, the you, boss you baby alive. You gave me free Peacock for so long. I felt like it was only fair to at least <laughs> offer. No, I appreciated it. And if the, and if the deal hadn't been that good, but I was like, twenty bucks a year. I'm yeah. Well, I mean, that's just it's just dumb because you know my uh, my you know we my kids have to have their um, illumination and their yeah, that, that's, universal that's worth animation it for one universal new release like yeah. once through yeah. the calendar year. Like yeah, totally. Okay. Oh my god. Oh no. Twenty dollars. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so I, I but I I put in my calendar the week before Thanksgiving 2023 or 2024 rather <laughs> cancel Peacock <laughs> C- cancel Peacock and then wait for Black Friday for them to drop the price. Yeah, again. maybe maybe they will. We'll see if the Boss Baby can come back <laughs> come back a second time. Uh, I, I meant to mention that last week, but uh, uh, yeah. So now we're both proud Peacock subscribers. We're both cockheads. You know that's what we're, they call the fans of. We're we're both uh, riders <laughs> of the cock. Yeah, or I guess you could say, you know, I mean, they they kind of took advantage of us with a really great deal. So you could just say we're a co- couple of cocksuckers, you know? We're just suckers <laughs> for the cock. We just, uh, whenever you get a deal, you say, man, I, I just hopped on that deal. Tim, we, yep. just, uh, we just hopped on that cock. Oh, I had to jump on the cock for 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, you still do, you still do videos like headliner clips? Because goddamn, I, I mean... <laughs> This is, yeah, this, that might be one for Patreon. <laughs> we'll see. Like, hey, if you sub to the Patreon, you'll, you'll, 
you'll get stuff like this. <laughs> if you sub to the Patreon, you can just hear us say cock a bunch of times. Yeah, make a bunch of cock puns. <laughs> um, the Usher, uh, the Usher at Kennedy's Memorial was played by Sean Clements, who wrote 20 episodes of Workaholics and was on two episodes as a guy named Fritz. I never saw it, but uh, but there it is. And I forgot to mention this in the last episode, but I, I remember seeing it. My favorite credit from the episode, I guess it's two credits, really. Instead of not Arab-looking guy, which, you know, you, you figure they might uh, put in the credits, the Arab-looking guy is credited as Swarthy Guy. And then there's also Swarthy Guy's friend in the credits as well. Those two characters oh from the memorial that don't have... So Swarthy is kind of like a great unproblematic way to say Arab-looking guy. <laughs> Non-fatwa uh, executor. Oh, I, got, I did some other extra credit. The fake Larry David that Larry sees Mary Steenburgen on a date with is not Ted Danson uh, in Tony Hawk's Larry David Damn. makeup. You know? uh, all right. <laughs> it is a guy named Max Bogner, who when you look, you, you'll you see, you know, I think kind of what he's got that long Ted Danson face. I think that Larry David doesn't have as long a face as Ted Danson, but um, but that's who Max Bogner, th- that's who played the fake Larry David. Um, so... That is it from the episode. All right. Oh, and he was well, credited as not fake Larry David. He's credited as bespectacled man. Bespectacled <laughs> sounds man. Sounds like a shitty superhero. <laughs> I am bespectacled man. <laughs> bespectacled what, man. What was the uh, comic book that comic book guy couldn't sell? He had like uh, Biclops oh, yeah. man or something. Yeah. It was the first superhero <laughs> who wore glasses. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, I've got 100 copies of Biclops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Do we got any uh, additional, like, uh, homework or news or anything? Or anything? Yeah. Any continuity that needs curbed? I don't think so. I mean, the one little bit of news that I saw is that our friends at Erie Ale Works are once again revving up for their big Festivus event. So if you're one of our Erie listeners, make sure you check that out because they have a pretty sweet T-shirt that... If you're listening to this on the main feed, it may be too late to order, but if you're, you know, a patron, you might be able to uh, still get in on it. And I did put a link to their story about it in our, or to their post about it in our stories. Of course, that's already gone too, because, you know, 24 hours, but <laughs> just look up Erie Ale Works and check out their cool Festivus 2023 t-shirt. It's got a nice picture of Frank Costanza on there. And uh, yeah, it, it looks, I, I want to buy it for myself, but it's so tough to drop any amount of money on yourself during the holidays i don't know yeah. if you feel the same way but i'm like yeah oh nice shirt and i'm like uh. <laughs> yeah yeah all right if you have uh, never listened to us before we are not a research heavy show despite the last 21 minutes being almost exclusively research and bullshit but we like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework i've never seen these episodes before tim has never seen these episodes before in the last six years if we miss anything if we egregiously skip over anything please send us an email or send us a tweet it's at no hugging on twitter or no hugging no learning show at gmail.com both those links are down in the description also down in the description link to our instagram in, it's a uh, no hugging underscore no learning you can find that there as well if you like us you can give us a five-star rating and a written review on apple podcasts or a five-star rating on spotify it really does help out the show i i promise i'm not just saying that i haven't just been saying that for five <laughs> years now um but if you've already done that and you can't do it a second time you can join us over on patreon it's patreon.com slash no hugging where you can get free seven day trial a free seven day trial for our five dollar a month tier 
and that's gonna get you early access to extended versions of every single episode. If after the seven days are up and you decide, hey, you know what? Five bucks is nothing. I, I can I can throw five bucks to these guys, and plus I like the extra bullshit in the episodes. You can just stay subscribed. You don't have to do anything. You just don't opt out of your of your subscription. It'll it'll just work the exact same. And it'll just automatically come out of your bank account. You're not going to notice it. Seriously, what's five bucks anymore? You can't buy anything for five bucks except a subscription to No Hugging, No Learning. Of course, if you join us over on Patreon, you are in great company along with Liam M., Michael Klatsky, Wrecker, Nate Collins, Tamara Ortiz, the guys and gals over at the Idiotville Podcast, John Murphy, Danica Ligorio, J-Dog Conlord, Nick Kudla, Adam Webb, and Megan Stolarski. Thank you guys so much. But Tim, joining us on Patreon isn't the only way they can help out the podcast. How else can they do that? Well, you can start your own podcast. Do you think you're so great? You think the world wants to hear what you have to say? I don't mean to sound combative there. I, I, it is rhetorical, but I do think you probably have something to say. So start your own <laughs> podcast with Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N. Go to Libsyn.com, and when you sign up with the promo code HUGGING, you get up to two months free, and it helps out our show when you use us as a reference. So Libsyn.com, use the promo code HUGGING, get up to two months free. And that link is also down in the description. All that being said, Season 9, Episode 5, thank you for your service. Original air date, October 29th, 2017. And if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry commits a faux pas with Sammy's fiance, comma, and tries to start over with his mail carrier and golf club security guard. I think if we would have come up with that, we would have said, nah, it gives it's a little too specific, but it might not need anything. <laughs> Might not need anything done to it. We'll see when we it's get not, to the end if we... Yeah. It's not bad. It's yeah. not bad. It's not bad. The episode begins as Larry pulls up to the gate at the Black Swan, where I guess he's still a member, despite the owner finding out that he murdered his beloved pet that the whole club is named after. Uh, I found that kind of a... <laughs> you know, it's never really it's a little. It was a little odd, yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of a. I don't know if I want to call it a plot hole or just it's just inconsistent with what we know happened at the end of that episode. But uh, you know, he pulls up and he is kind of forced to talk to the guard at the gate there, Sal, who is just telling him all about his life, like he's taking part in a revolutionary war reenactment this weekend, and and Larry you know, keeps trying to move along and, and even like rolling up the window while Sal has his hands on it, kind of, you know, Larry just wants to get on with his day, but, but he's got to talk to Sal as he tells Jeff and Richard Lewis, who he's meeting inside the clubhouse. He rolled down the window once just to be nice to the guard at the gate. And now he has to do it every time. And he has to, you know, engage in this draining small talk, which I mean, really, I can't fault Larry too much with, with being an asshole here. It's like Sal is taking advantage of his good nature. It's like, how, how are you doing? Oh, great, Mr. David. How are you doing? I'm doing well, too. All right, well, have a good game. Like, I don't really need to know all about your life. Yeah, Sal I mean, is, I would say, the, maybe mostly at fault here. Yeah, the, oh, absolutely. The first thing we see here is Sal, like, waits for Larry to pull down, roll down his window. Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, Mr. David, it's happening. It's yeah. finally <laughs> happening. I can't believe it's happening. He has to say that like three or four times before he says, what the fuck he's talking about? <laughs> he's doing it like a tease. It's finally happening. I'll tell you what it is in seven minutes. Like, well. oh, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> yeah, 
I'm glad you feel the same way that Larry is in the right here, unfortunately. You know, it's it's really a no good deed goes unpunished kind of thing that he has to talk to this guy every single time. And and it gets even worse with Sal, I got to say, later on. Richard Lewis wants his John Adams book back, and Larry suspects that he didn't even read it. And Richard Lewis eventually does kind of relent and say he read the flap on the inside cover. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think he just likes having the book. Uh, because it makes him feel smart. I did like him faking his way through it. Like, of course I read it. Can you believe all the stuff in there? Yo, with, oh, my uh, God. What does he say? Thomas Jefferson and the White House? Yeah. <laughs> and a third thing about John Adams is like, <laughs> I don't think I don't think anybody uh, knows one more thing about John Adams than that. Uh, so that was pretty funny. Um, the waiter comes over and mentions a, a, a fish special that they have. And Larry wants to know if instead of sauteing it, he can get it broiled. And if he can run back and ask the chef. But if he makes a face, then don't worry about it. And he'll, he'll just get, you know, he'll just get it the way it's done. Um, and so the waiter comes back and says, you know, I told him about it. And, and he didn't make much of a face. And he demonstrates the face to Larry, which, you know, uh, is, is not much of a face. He kind of like looks up and, and then exhales a little bit. Uh, through his lips and and that's it and Larry's like yeah that that's not much of a face it's tough to know and he's like all right well I, I guess I'll just get it broiled then since he didn't make much of a face by the way did you recognize the actor that played the the waiter I recognize him but I don't know what from somehow I was able to pull it I didn't even look it up because I I'm sure this is where I know him from I think he played the ultimate like he played the main villain in the Ghostbusters 2016 reboot oh my god yeah <laughs> The I, female sure, Ghostbusters yeah, movie? Yeah. Lady Ghostbusters, which like tricks me every single time it's on my cable guide. I'm like, yeah, Ghostbusters. And I'm like, oh, it's Ghostbusters colon answer the call, which they rebranded it after it <laughs> came out for some reason. But no one lists it that way. If it doesn't have the year next to it, I'm like, yeah. Oh, damn. I'm, I'm like 99% certain that's him. And uh, maybe he's been in other stuff, too. Uh, you know, might do a dive on him as I. Uh, do my homework next week, but I'm not writing it down or anything. But uh, uh, the whole table sees Ken and his wife. Ken is a new dad. And Larry, when he looks at a picture of the baby, says the baby looks a little Asian. And Ken takes offense. <laughs> he doesn't know what Larry's trying to say, but he wants him to take it back and apologize. And Larry's like, I, I won't. Ap I'll apologize for offending you, but I won't. And you know what? At least there's you know somebody out there who acknowledges the difference because too many people who are like Larry will go will think I'm sorry I offended you is the same as I'm sorry that I, what offended. I said you know I'm sorry yeah or I guess that's what Larry's saying is that I'm sorry you were offended you know and that there's a difference between that and actually apologizing for what he said which he won't do <laughs> you know? yeah, they both acknowledge like, that it's two different things what Larry is saying is actually an apology he might think that he's saying I'm sorry that you were offended but yeah. what he's saying is is a sufficient apology. He's I guess saying, you're I'm, right. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. I'm I'm sorry that I uh I'm sorry that I offended you is much different than I'm sorry that you were offended. That's true. Because that's true. you're because you're still yeah. owning up to what you said in the former. Yeah, that's right. I'm I'm sorry I offended you. Yeah, you're taking you're taking some responsibility for it. But but he won't but he won't take back what he said. <laughs> but he will apologize for maybe saying it out loud, I guess. So at home Larry answers the door for a very attractive male carrier, not male man, because it's a woman, and not male woman, because they, they now use the, you know, non-gender term male carrier. Um, it reminds me of that, that uh, in Hot Fuzz, 
when he keeps correcting everybody on the like correct police word for things like you never say oh it was a car accident you say it was a collision because accident implies that there's nobody at fault or something like that uh and then he says you know you don't say policeman or police woman anymore you say police officer uh so kind of the same way male carrier and larry is doing his style of flirting where he really just insults the person to their face like and keeps digging himself deeper hole because he says oh you know my mom wanted to be my mom wanted me to be a mailman because she never thought i would would amount to much (laughs) so that's kind of strike one and then he's like, oh, you know, she thought it was really easy, too. So she thought I was capable of it. He's like, not that, you know, not that you haven't amounted to much and not that your job isn't hard. Jesus um, Christ. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and he does ask her if she will, as long as she has to go to uh, Richard Lewis's house on her route, if she will drop off the John Adams book with, with Richard Lewis. But she won't unless he wraps it up and puts a stamp on it, which Larry thinks is being a little too much of a stickler for the rules. And I couldn't help but. Remember that, you know, so they, Larry says stickler like it's, it's not a uh, attractive trait stickling. You don't want to be a stickler. You don't want to stickle. You know, he says a million. And that's literally something that Family Guy did probably 10 years before this episode of Curb really? to make fun of Seinfeld. Yeah, there's like she's a stickler. She's a stickler for a tickler. Like they oh, they did that. They made fun of that device that Seinfeld went back to the well at over and over again that we would always, you know, bring up like, well, they do that common Seinfeld thing where they say the same word, you know, 20 times in a row until it's funny or, or they're done with it. Um, and that's what Larry did in this case. But he did it with a word that someone had already made fun of him for, you know, doing. I just found it really weird. Uh, so she won't do it. She's a stickler and, as she finds out, single. So mm. Larry, uh, yeah, that perks Larry's interest now. Over at Jeff's, Susie is very excited about their new kitchen in the new house. And this is, uh, you know, uh, some rare Kirby Enthusiasm continuity where jeff mentions that like he thought he came up with a perfect plan a married guy having an affair with a realtor they could go to any house and they also had the excuse of looking at houses and well then they actually bought this like nice new house so i guess they are eventually moving into that uh nice new house and richard lewis and larry discuss the male woman uh they they go back to using the gendered term not male carrier um and larry is you know thinking about making a move and richard is surprised because She's so far below Larry's station. And Larry's like, what do you what do you mean? Men don't care what women do. He was like, women care what men do, but men don't care what an attractive woman does. Um, and Richard Lewis is like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. I dated a garbage woman. And Larry accuses Richard of making that up and wants to know why. Why did you make up a story about dating a garbage woman? Richard Lewis is sticking by the fact that it's not a lie. Um, but Larry is thinking, Larry keeps asking, what were you trying to impress me or you wanted to, um, I did like this despite it being so far what it seemed like very out of date. Larry, you know, lays into Susie for, he's like, oh yeah, I got the wedding invitation. She's like, no, you didn't get the invitation. I haven't even picked them. We haven't even picked them out yet. You got to save the date. And then Larry goes on this like boomer-esque save the date versus invitation. I don't save dates. Nobody saves dates. Like. Sarah and I, we got married in 2008. We sent out Save the Dates. Save yeah, the Dates the have fuck? been a thing for... This has been a thing for a long <laughs> time. My yeah. wife and I didn't do Save the Dates, but it was purely because I put that ship into her bay. And she's like, no, we'll just put it on Facebook. Everyone will see it there. Yeah, yeah. Tim, you know how many people saw the Save the Date? 
No. Fucking nobody. <laughs> and we had people asking, oh, we thought we were going to get a save the date. I'm like, uh, yep. Yep. I uh, I thought you were too. We didn't save the date. Because yeah. we didn't get to save the date. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I remember we did a little magnet that we sent out to people. So that's even, you know, you save the date on the refrigerator, maybe next that's to the family calendar cool. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, um, yeah, save the dates had already been a thing for, I don't know, maybe like 20 years by the time this if episode aired. not aired. longer. My God. It's just weird that he decided to rail against it in 2017. <laughs> um, but uh, but it was funny because, or you know, it, it would have been funny in, you know, 2003 or whatever. But it was still it was still kind of funny that, you know, the, the difference between the two. Because I do kind of agree, you know, that like what, you know, it's a little superfluous. But, you know, that's what weddings are. You do a bunch of extra shit to celebrate yourself. So... They have our little argument about that. And then Sammy and Victor come in. That's uh, Sammy's fiance. And everyone greets Victor by saying, thank you for your service, except Larry, which just like throws the brakes on everything going <laughs> just, on. Just sucks all the energy out of the room is what I put. <laughs> yeah, it, it silences the room and totally kills the evening because Victor has to like, excuse himself and compose himself um which i found kind of surprising i don't think many military people are actually like this i correct me if i'm wrong but like if you're you know in the military or whatever or ted from your own anecdotal evidence but like it's seen by i think a lot of people in the military is like kind of an empty gesture you know like flying the blue lives matter flag we were talking about you know or, or saying like i do whatever i can to support our boys in blue oh, last week or like you know i think most of them are like are are appreciative of like the people who say it to them but they're also like it doesn't mean anything you know it's like i i, I appreciate hearing it but it's kind of an empty gesture is what my understanding of military members feelings about it are i could be wrong about it i mean because like my parents were in the military but not during the thank you for your service era but i know there's been like you know movies and books and and stuff written about it from the point of view of of soldiers about how it's like you know you you could do more than just say that you know (laughs) it's it's kind of an empty gesture so it it would surprise me that victor took it so hard yeah i mean regular citizens kind of went through that you know three and a half years ago whenever everyone started saying thank you for your service to restaurant workers and to oh, nurses and oh, yeah. and to just like any uh, uh what's the what's the word any uh, service worker or yeah service industry yeah and any whatever. any yeah. service industry person um any uh oh there was a, i don't know i can't remember the exact word that i was thinking of but yeah like any person working in that industry and everyone's like I mean, you can thank us, but you could also pay us a living wage. That would be cool, too. And unanimously, every boss in the country went, nah, that's okay. (laughs) Nah, nah, that's okay. We like you at the status that you're at. (laughs) Nah, that's okay. We like you being able to survive paycheck to paycheck. Like, the, the second you're able to save some money, get the fuck out of here. No, we don't want you anymore. We would rather you die than be able to save money. I got a sign that I'm going to hang up next to the time clock that says, Heroes work here instead. Oh. I printed it out. I printed it out here at work. <laughs> We're just going to call you heroes instead of paying you. Uh, yeah, it's, it's that kind of um, empty gesture, I think. Susie is, you know, pissed off at Larry. Larry asks if he can get his salmon broiled instead of sauteed. And then asks her, hey, did you make a face? 
And the face that she made is, get the fuck out, Larry. And <laughs> as he leaves, he sarcastically thanks everyone for the service they have uh, offered. For instance, he thanks Susie. I like, he's like, well, thank you for serving the hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> I like that. And he says, thanks, Jeff. Thank you for being such a great manager. Their neighbor. Thank you for being such a great neighbor to Jeff. He thanks everyone uh, sarcastically on the way out. Uh, over at the Fremont Theater, which is at 1035 Monterey Street, in San Luis Obispo, California, built in 1941. And interestingly enough, this is mentioned in a lot of uh, writing online about uh, the theater, opened in 1942 on the eve of U.S. entry into World War II. So, you know, thank you for your service, Fremont <laughs> Theater. Um, uh, it is among the last streamlined, modern, Art Deco-style theaters in existence, I guess. Uh, it was almost raised in 2018. So again, it would be right in line with locations uh, during this season in 2017 that Larry shoots at. And then it's been at least a couple that have closed like the next week or something. Um, and this one almost closed in 2018, but it was saved by public outcry. And the development company did something kind of cool. Instead of you know tearing the movie theater down, they built a multiplex like kind of adjacent to it, like next to it. So this facade exists and and the screens inside still exist and it's connected to like a bigger multiplex which uh, i think is pretty cool and they uh, the the fremont is showing the goat of cadiz and alone in pairs which are both fake movies there is a movie that you'll be autocorrected to called alone in paris uh, and maybe it was i wonder if it was showing at the theater and they were like oh just Switch those letters around. It'll be alone in pairs. There we go. We won't have to reference an actual movie. <laughs> um, Larry is on a date with the mail carrier there, and she orders a bunch of candy to go with the popcorn because she wants to mix them together uh, for that special movie time treat of the salty and the sweet. And I've never been a big fan of doing this, but I get it. Uh, but Larry does not. I've never actually been a very big uh, mixing stuff in my popcorn type of guy. But, like, I, I like different flavors of popcorn, but I, I don't want to mix candy into it. It's it's not it's not my thing. Yeah, I get the... Uh, she, she has, like, Milk Duds and Junior Mints and then one other chocolatey treat as well. I've done M&Ms before, but that's about as far as I've I've gone, and, and it's fine. But it's not... You know, it's never my first choice. I'm more of, like, a if, a, if I'm having salt... Like, salt is my... You know, salty, savory snacks are my favorite flavor anyway. Like, I'm, I don't have a huge sweet tooth. And so, at the movie theater, it's just, like... I hold it under the butter faucet for about five minutes and yeah. I'm good to go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, but, but Larry doesn't understand like people liking salty and sweet things mixed together. That's also been a thing since time immemorial. Yeah. <laughs> like, since it, it predates the save the day. Probably since the Bible. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, he put the salty and the sweet together and he saw that it was good. Uh, I think is in Genesis. Um, look that up. But he, he doesn't get it, but he orders, you know, they, they order all that stuff anyway. Well, she goes in and gets seats. She went in and got seats while Larry got the stuff. And the movie has already started by the time he gets in there somehow. It's like well into it. I guess they don't show previews here. It's like he walked right up. There was no line. Yeah. The, the ordering snacks couldn't have taken more than two minutes. And maybe they already... just showed up that late. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like, my God. I, at that point, just. Go see another movie, guys. Yeah, go see Alone in Pairs. And yeah. This looked like the Goats of Cadets, if I was going to guess. So <laughs> go go see Alone in Pairs whenever that starts. <laughs> but he can't find, uh, I think, her, what's her name, Jean? I think it's Jean, Jean that he keeps yelling. Yeah, he can't find Jean in the theater. This, of course, is very reminiscent of another Seinfeld episode, season four, episode 14, the movie, 
where, you know, they're all at different theaters or they, you know, they can't find each other in the movie theater and George is yelling from the from the front of the screen. And that is one of my favorite scenes as I'm remembering because he's like, where are you? I know you're here. He's like, are you sure you're in the right theater? It's playing in another theater. And George looks like an idiot in front of everybody, <laughs> which is always the best. And also, I got to mention, you know, there's a, a huge pack of Junior Mints visible in Larry's cargo. And so that obviously is is another um, it's it's not a need to a nod to Sneaky Pete. It, you know, I'll say it's a nod to Seinfeld. You know, Junior Mints, and he finally finds her, and he gets upset with her that she didn't beckon him over. And as much as I didn't like the stickler conversation, I liked beckon because he didn't say it too much. He was like, "You gotta beckon, you gotta beckon me over. You didn't beckon <laughs> me." So I did like that use of the word beckon. She just takes the milk duds, pours them into the popcorn, and starts eating it. And then Larry's like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> like looking at the movie, <laughs> which I liked too, because they're so late. How is she supposed to know? That's why you guys don't show up when the movie is halfway through or whatever. Uh, but it's the end of the night, and Larry, you know, walks her to the front door, but he says he wants to kind of reset the relationship because he realizes, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm going to see you tomorrow, and I got to put a lot of all this work into a relationship now, seeing somebody every single day. I can't do what I do in a relationship. Like, there's a whole preparation involved. So, why don't we just reset to mail carrier and homeowner how about that she just says flat out no larry's like did did you make a face and she just kind of walks inside the house but what does she mean by no like she wanted to keep dating him or she can't go back to that relationship without pretending that they went out on a date and he sucks i'm i'm guessing the latter in that yeah but it definitely sounded at first like no we're gonna continue going out yeah i didn't like this either but we're in it now <laughs> yeah. and again that's another like george another thing that happened to george is you know he tries to break up with this lady and she's like no what <laughs> and then he starts having an affair and she won't break up with him either and they're both like i think we can work through this and he's like all right <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know what's going on but no reset button so at the back of the uh, black swan gate larry uh, asked to reset his relationship with sal he mentioned that he was going to do this to jeff and richard lewis and they say no way you can't hit the reset button on that relationship but he's going to try uh, but Sal is very insulted that he does not want to talk to him anymore uh, and very offended and, and very, you know, he, he does like, Sal is very childish in this. I hated Sal. He's like, oh, okay, you don't want to talk to me? Fine. He's like, sorry, you got to do your job. Like, that was, that, was the, that was the original contract that we signed, the original social contract. Sal acts like a big baby in this scene. <laughs> so inside, Jerry says that, uh, Jerry, I've talked so much about Seinfeld, <laughs> I've reverted. Uh, Jeff says that Victor is obsessed with the fact that Larry did not thank him for his service. And Larry doesn't know how to make it up for him, except that, hey, you know what? Sal was talking about this Revolutionary War reenactment that's going on. Maybe I can invite Victor to that. And Jeff says that would be a great idea because he's a fan of Seinfeld and you know he was looking forward to talking to you. So I think that'd be a great idea. Meanwhile, Mr. Takahashi would like a word with Larry David. Uh, on the way to Mr. Takahashi's office, Larry encounters Chef Curtis and asks him about the fish that he broiled the other day and if he made a face when he was asked about it. And sure enough, he did. He, I mean, he made, as as Larry says, almost a horse whinny. You know, he, and he completely rolled his eyes, not just looked up and exhaled a little bit. He looked up and did the whole... 
thing. And so Larry tells him that is not the face that the waiter presented to him. Uh, and the waiter and the, the chef was insulted that the way he chose to prepare the fish wasn't the way that, you know, the, the customer chose to order it. You know, he puts this puts a lot of thought into the dishes he presents. And, you know, someone asked for a different way. It, it is a little insulting. And so that's why he made that face. And the waiter happens to be right there. So Larry confronts the waiter who says he got it right. And now Larry doesn't know who to believe because he says there's a clash of faces because the face you're saying is not the same one that he he just made to me just now. So there's something going on uh, in Mr. Takahashi's office. <laughs> I liked when I liked how I don't know what how do you describe Larry's demeanor, but he walks in. He's like, do you want the door closed? And Mr. Takahashi's like, yes. And Larry like points at a chair and he's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I just like he is he is reverent to Mr. Takahashi, I guess maybe because he did kill his swan. And so he knows that he's on very thin ice at his his favorite club that he's never going to find another one like this. You know, he can't can't find another club. So I like how respectful he is, you know, maybe the only person that he respects and and just points at the chair. And Mr. Takahashi, not even looking at him, goes, no. <laughs> what he heard is that Larry disgraced Ken and his wife, Shelly. Uh, by t uh, by saying what he said about their baby. So there must be punitive action, and you will get a letter soon regarding what that action is. And Larry wants to know how soon is soon, and there's a little argument uh, about that, uh, when he should expect it. And Larry's like, all right, well, if I don't get in a couple days, I'll just, you know, come check, uh, unless you tell me otherwise. So back at home, we find out they have gotten no mail for three days. Larry is talking to Leon about this. And Larry calls Richard Lewis. He got his mail. No problem. And so mail carrier has halted their mail at the David house out of spite. And it's the same reason that Leon has not had a Whopper in three years because he went out with someone <laughs> from Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> the only Burger King in Santa Monica. That's I it. The one. <laughs> I know. Like they couldn't pick a restaurant like, oh, that's why I haven't been to our favorite steakhouse. Like there are a million Burger Kings in the United States. <laughs> Go to a different one. Maybe she's like the regional manager. Maybe he slept with a franchisee. <laughs> she owns all of them uh, in like the, you know, in the in the greater Los Angeles area or something. But Leon hasn't had a Whopper uh, because you can't, you know, you, you can't mess around with somebody like that that you're going to see every day that it is supposed to serve you. Uh, and Leon is missing stuff like his CD of the month club. He's missing his CDs, his oh DVDs. Oh my God. <laughs> I had to check. I'm pretty sure Columbia House was like the only game in town uh, after after they bought BMG, which was the other CD of the month club and DVD of the month club. Columbia House shuttered in 2015. So two years before this, <laughs> so they were not, there was no CD of the month club. So uh, there's no CD of the month club at all at this point. The only comparable thing I can think of maybe is that there were some magazines that would come with cds you know like oh, i, I used to get God. paste magazine and it came with a, a cool mix cd every month so maybe something like that but i but i don't think so because he's like oh, i have my cds and my dvds of the month <laughs> so maybe there was some you know like one storage unit somewhere that was still sending their last customer <laughs> leon leon black the last Columbia House member. I'm pretty sure there was nobody still trying this in, in 2017, especially after Columbia House couldn't keep it up, you know? Uh, were you ever a member of one of those? No. God, no. <laughs> God, no? What do you mean, God, no? I was so young, young whenever they yeah. were, like, like the thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was definitely a Columbia House member. I loved getting those 10 <laughs> CDs for a penny right off the bat, and then all you had to do was order, you know, five more for 20 bucks a piece over the next... 
whatever it was, year two, three, whatever. Uh, totally worth it. Totally worth it. And Leon is especially amazed that they're going through this and Larry didn't even tap it. <laughs> I like that Larry's like, I didn't tap it. I didn't, I forget what he says. I know one, another one's like, I didn't tear it up. <laughs> I forget what he says. But he's, when he, whenever he spouts Leon's, Leon's like, you didn't get up in there. Maybe that's what he says. I didn't tap it. I didn't get up in there. I didn't tear it up. I didn't even get to do that. And we're still going through this. <laughs> so uh, back at the Black Swan Gate, Larry waves from behind his car window at Sal. Hey, Sal. You know, he's not going to talk to him anymore. He told him they hit the reset button. Um, and there, But there's no reaction from Sal. He, he barely even acknowledges Larry. He certainly doesn't open the gate. Larry does eventually roll down his window and say, you know, explains that, you know, he hit the reset button with his mail woman. And that's why he's not getting his mail. So he's just coming to check on that letter. And Sal's like, oh, well, you've been hitting that button a lot, haven't you? Uh, and so Larry kind of has to own up to trying to reset both of these relationships. But Sal looks at a list that he uh, supposedly has up on the wall. I don't know. But he says Larry David is number one on the do not admit list. So he has to back up and he will not let him in to the club. Uh, and and it's at this point, Larry just unabashedly is like, you know what? I'm the o- I bet I'm the only person in 10 years that ever rolled down the window. And I had to listen to your BS just drivel on like he... He sort of lays into him, but also pleads his case. Like it kind of goes back and forth between like appealing to Sal and the friendship that they had, but also like shitting all over this, the friendship, like letting him know how much how in misery he was over the years <laughs> that he was listening to him, but also like still hoping kind of that he would let him in. <laughs> but it doesn't work. Larry is on the do not admit list. Uh, so over at the Revolutionary War reenactment, which. When I first saw it, I was like, man, I bet that was a fun day as an extra. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you know, dress up as a Revolutionary War reenactor and then just kind of hang out. But then I found out when there's a, there's a sign later on that says, um, what does it say? The uh, battle of battle at Talbert Lake this way. And the battle at Talbert Lake was a real Revolutionary War reenactment that took place in Orange County somewhere at, at this, um, oh, Huntington Beach's Central Park. Uh, unfortunately, the article is behind a paywall, but this article is from February 11th, 2016, where literally there was like a bunch of Revolutionary War reenactors who who put out this, you know, did this imaginary battle in the Los Angeles area, where of course there was no Revolutionary War action. It supposedly it was like a, a, a homage to Maureen Rivers, this guy's grandmother who died recently at 79. And I guess she always told him that the revolution was more important than the civil war. I don't know where that came from, but she was from Lexington, Massachusetts and moved to California and wanted to create a reenactment like those ones she used to see living in Lexington, Mass. And uh, so his, her grandson like kind of took up that mantle and, and put on this whole whole thing. The closest similar event is the American Heritage Festival in Arizona and the 4th of July Colonial Heritage Festival in Utah that draw a lot of visitors. But, you know, they, uh, they, they put on this interesting Revolutionary War reenactment. And so that's why Curb decided to film on this day. They were just like, let's, I don't know how Larry found out about it, but when he did, I mean, he took advantage of it. So these are all literal reenactors who were doing this thing. Like even the <laughs> Ben Franklin listed in the credits is the one from this article, Greg Hardy. That's awesome. Uh, oh my God. Yeah, I know. They, they, uh, they either got really lucky or I don't know. They're really smart. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm like, how did they, you know, for such a like fly by the seat of their pants kind of production, what they seem, you know, they they really had it all together. Uh, David Grace played George Washington, and that's the guy that they have on on the show that we're watching. So yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. So yeah, they meet George Washington. Larry's a little disappointed. You know, he's kind of like chuckling at all of the, you know, adult cosplayers and they're, you know, playing Revolutionary War and stuff like that. Um, but they march to battle. I didn't know, is was this accurate? I don't know too much about Revolutionary Warfare. Did they really fight like three feet apart from the other army? <laughs> Just like, I, it seems... <laughs> I don't know. I knew there were, I knew there were <laughs> rules of engagement, but I'm pretty sure that like... <laughs> You know, there was a little more gamesmanship to it than that. I don't know what you want to say. But yeah, they marched like right up to where you could like smell the breath of the other army and start firing. But actually, Sal sees that Larry David is taking part as, you know, Larry David is fighting for the, the colonies and, and Sal is in a red coat and he starts firing live cannon ammunition at Larry and Victor, like literal cannonballs. He's firing at Larry David and Victor begins having some sort of PTSD episode. This whole sequence, I got to say, and maybe it's the maybe we have the Revolutionary War reenactors to thank, but it had a pretty high production value. I mean, there's like explosions going on. It's in slow motion. Yeah, this there's was people, nuts. Yeah, there's like stunts. I, I saw in the credits there was like, I don't know, like uh, like eight or eight or nine people who were listed as like war stunts. And then there was like a whole there was like a stunt coordinator like this. A lot went into this battle. And shooting it, which I thought was pretty cool, like, uh, you know, that Curb would do something that looks, you know, as high production as this. Uh, Sal leads a chase after Larry and Victor, who end up in the parking lot. And Victor is particularly freaked out about the Redcoats that they encountered. It's at that point walking through trying to find the car in the parking lot that Larry sees a license plate that says Mr. T. T-E-E, which I got to say is a pretty good license plate for yeah. someone who owns a golf club <laughs> whose last name starts with a T. Uh, and Larry recognizes it as Mr. Takahashi's car. And he goes over to the window where he witnesses Mr. Takahashi making out with Ken's wife. Uh. What do you know? And so Larry's like, I was coming over to see about that letter, but now I guess you can call the club and tell him I'm coming over to play some golf. <laughs> and Mr. Takahashi Again, without even looking at Larry, knows he's been bested. So he relents to Larry's demands immediately. Uh, and Larry, even as he walks away, going, I thought that baby looked a little Asian. <laughs> so now we know maybe what's going on with Ken and Shelly. So at the gate, Larry tries to enter. Of course, Sal is not there because he's at the reenactment. Uh, but he tries to enter with the window up so as not to start with Randy what he did with Sal. He wants to not even have to hit the reset button later and just wave. And but Randy's like, you know, oh hi, Mr. David, I'm Randy. He like tries to like, you know, Randy tries to start the relationship, but uh, you know, he he ends up just having to open the gate for him. And as they pull up, Victor sees the valets and his PTSD from the battle, you know, 30 minutes to an hour ago or whatever, flares up and he sees the red coats of the valet as red coats of the Revolutionary War and runs out and starts uh, you know, chasing them around the parking lot as Larry you know, yells their valets. I thought one funny thing that he yelled was, don't tread on me or something like that. Oh, um, <laughs> Which of course, you know, I, um, in, in, it is 2017. It is a post Trump world, but it still hadn't taken on the meaning that it had, uh, that it's taken on in 2023, <laughs> especially from like, you know, former military dudes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Libertarians were still like, you know, people, but at this point they were just like, 
man, I really like Jill Stein. I wish she would get into the White House. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it wasn't an RFK reference at this point yet. RFK Jr., I mean. So back at home, Larry is walking in his revolutionary garb, which, like, where did he get this? I mean, I guess he has access to, you know, Hollywood-level costumes just being in the industry. Um, but he's wearing it home. You know, he didn't have a change of clothes. Yeah. And he's walking because I guess he never found his... Wait, why didn't he... Why is he walking? He had his car at the golf course. What? <laughs> yeah, why did he not drive, <laughs> he not drive his home? car home? <laughs> I mean, uh... I guess... Yeah, because he could drive home and he could still... Like, we didn't even need to see him coming home. Like, he could have just opened the door and gone, nope, still no mail, and then what happens, happens. But he's walking home in his revolutionary war garb for some reason, and Jean drives by in her mail truck and yells, hey, asshole, here's your mail, and chucks it at his face. Uh, and there's something heavy in it that, you know, really takes him down. And Leon comes out and he goes, welcome home, soldier. Thank you for your service. And he picks up what I imagine is a DVD of the month and walks back in the house as Frolic starts to play. And that is the end of the episode. Oh, my gosh. All right, Tim, what do we got for homework this week? Don't think I wrote anything down. Did I Let me pull up the... Uh, no, didn't write anything down. Okay. Uh, what do you like for cover art? Uh, I mean, it's got to be something in the... Uh you know, Revolutionary War garb. I, I think right? so. If we can, if yeah. I can uh, get a good screen cap of Larry and Victor, like as the like uh, cannon shots are landing around them, and the yeah. dirt is just flying everywhere, <laughs> and, and Victor's like in the middle of like going into his PTSD uh, <laughs> nightmare scenario. That'd be great. I think that's like the best visual. Like, I mean, like you said, great visual in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a Larry Charles. A Larry Charles special. You know, he's really branching out. Um, yeah, okay. I'll, uh, I'll see if I can make that work. Let's see what we can do about this week's description, though. All right. So we had Larry commits a faux pas with Sammy's fiance, comma, and tries to start over with his mail carrier and golf club security guard. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> it's, it's spot on. Like it's, The only thing it doesn't take good. into account is the big storyline about you know, Mr. Takahashi and Ken, you know, yeah. so insults or not. I don't know if you want to say offends. Oh, wait, isn't offense part? All right. What's the first part about offending? Isn't uh, it already mentioned? No, commits no. a faux pas. Larry commits a faux pas with Sammy's fiance and tries well, to can start we say it. Larry commits a faux pas with, with Sammy's fiance and I don't know if you want to say golf club friend or country club friend. What about country club friend? Uh, Just to add in that whole, you know, that's the only storyline we're missing. Which, which country club? friend Ken. are you talking about oh yeah you don't I, need it i get I, it's not super important to me like i wouldn't even call it a d story yeah i mean he, it does i mean ken it, shows up once for a minute and we've never seen him before great but the we, story does pay off with mr takahashi and shelly and larry getting true. back into the club that is true oh god i don't know i mean he's kicked out of the club and he's let back in because of that storyline <laughs> I mean, we could just put all the instead of tries to reset blah blah blah. We could say something about the you know tie all the golf club stuff into a, a separate thing. But I, I think adding it to the faux pas, you okay. know, a country club friend. Uh, Larry commits faux pas with Sammy's fiance <laughs> and a country club friend. Uh huh. Okay. And then yeah. How do you how do you pluralize faux pas, or how do you pluralize faux pas? Is I think sp- you just is it yeah. faux pas, but it's not spelled any different. I think that's correct. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> English was a mistake. 
<laughs> well, I think that's French. French was a mistake. <laughs> French was a mistake. <laughs> hey, that's what faux pas means. It's another word for mistake. How about that? It says plural noun, faux pas. Yeah, exactly right, the same. I right. just looked it up. All yeah. right. <laughs> French was a faux pas. French was a faux pas. <laughs> Oh, Christ. Uh, okay, what do we want for the, the latter part of the description? Is, is it good as is? I think that's good at, as is. Okay, sweet. Yeah, All I right. love it. Is this where right. we want to do Curb Your Enthuse AI-ism? Yeah, is there anything we got right. to uh, run through the Curb Your Enthuse AI-ism machine? Let's see. I did. Oh, no. I I insult. Okay, I insulted ChatGPT, and now oh, no. it won't work for us. Oh, no. What did you do? I finally asked. Why don't you know the actual plot summaries of Curb Your Enthusiasm episodes? I just kind of did this while I was editing the last uh-huh. episode. And ChatGPT said, I apologize for any confusion earlier. As an AI, my access to current or specific episode plot details is limited, including detailed episode summaries or specific events from recent episodes. By the way, <laughs> these are not recent episodes. I can generate hypothetical or general plot lines based on the information I was trained on up until September 2021. For specific plot summaries of recent episodes or events, it's best to refer to official sources or watch the episodes directly. <laughs> Tell me what the fucking do. If you have any other inquiries or need general information, feel free to ask. And okay, so here's the prompt I put in today. Write an accurate synopsis of episode five of season nine of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Thank you for your service. What actually happens in that episode that aired October 29th, 2017? Okay. I don't have access to specific episode no. summaries or detailed information about individual episodes no. of Curb Your Enthusiasm beyond my training data, which goes up until September 2021. Again, 2017. Therefore, I am unable to provide an accurate synopsis of episode five of season nine titled Thank You for Your Service. Damn. If you have any other inquiries. So I like insulted ChatGPT and now it won't even play along. Are, oh you, are you able to make it a little <laughs> less uh, specific? Are you able to go, go back to kind of like how we were doing it whenever we started? I'll say, please. Please. <laughs> write a synopsis of episode five of season nine of Caribbean Season. Please open AI. Please. Please write it. Oh, it's back. Yes. It's back. Let's All right. Go. All right. Larry finds himself entangled in a series of awkward and humorous situations. The episode revolves around Larry's attempts to deal with social conventions and misunderstandings, often leading to comedic conflicts. One notable incident involves Larry's visit to his therapist, Dr. Templeton. Wow. During the session, Larry uses a handicap-accessible restroom, which causes an uproar when the actual handicapped person who has been waiting confronts him. Those things happen in two different episodes about ten years apart. (laughs) (laughs) Additionally, Larry is faced with social etiquette issues when he goes out to dinner with a group of friends. He attempts to leave an awkward situation, leads to unintended consequences, complicating the evening, and creating tension among the group. Throughout the episode, Larry's well-intentioned actions lead to misunderstandings and humorous clashes with social norms, highlighting his trademark awkwardness in everyday situations. I can't believe he got his therapist name right and won't do the actual episode. (laughs) This thing, at least it's back to playing with us, but, you know, I had to say please. (laughs) Jesus. Wow. That's pretty crazy. It's not... Okay, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's not this episode, but, like, it, it actually pulled real episodes, though, which is... More than what it's done in the past. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, because it's almost it's almost like got it's gotten bits and pieces like and and curb storylines aren't that complex, but it still only has like one little weird piece of the storyline. Yeah, and not the the actual payoff of the storyline or what the point <laughs> of it was. Yeah, so there we go. Curb your enthuse AIism. All right, Tim, did you like this episode? Yeah, I did. I I don't think I can give it a star. Um, it was just kind of an average episode for me. What did you think? I'm in the same boat. It was yeah. It was very okay. If I could give a star just to the 
battle reenactment, I would, <laughs> but there is an entire episode around that that had just a lot of, did he make a face? Did he make a face? He made a face. What was <laughs> oh. the face? Made a face? Made a face? Made a face? And the stickler stuff, I was I was done with that. There was a, there was yeah, a, there was a lot. lot of those. It was a, it was a very Seinfeldy episode and not the good parts of Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. Curb can't pull off the way that Seinfeld did because Seinfeld didn't stay at the well for as long as Curb is able to. You know? <laughs> they were like, "All right, we got to do that. Yeah. We can say it yeah. ten times, and that's it." Yeah, Se- Seinfeld had to be in and out of the episode in twenty three minutes. Curb, yeah. Curb's got an extra ten plus <laughs> if they want it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I I I liked it. Not giving it any star. Next week we have got season nine, episode six, the accidental text on purpose. Original air date, November 5th, 2017. And if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry and Vince in ingenious ploy for getting his friends out of relationship jams, period. Larry upsets Funkhauser's new girlfriend, period. So wait, it started both sentences with Larry? Yes, it did. <laughs> All right, well, I see one thing we could fix right away. <laughs> assuming that both of those uh, storylines are the most important things to mention, uh, which does not go without saying. Um, so, All right. Uh, I don't remember anything about this episode. I, I think I've I think I've stopped watching at this point because you know we we didn't we just didn't have time or the mm-hmm. kid was always there or something. So uh, these are these are pretty new to me. Um, all right, is that it? Yeah, I think that is it. All right, for no hugging, no learning. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Seth Hollowell. Be good. Be good.